Um, <laughs> this is Jess. I am the newest um, member of the team, and uh, you can expect to hear my voice around here about uh, once a month or so. Um, so tonight, though, we have um, a, a couple of our regulars. We've got Brent and we've got DDoc. So we're going to have a great conversation and give Joe a week off <laughs> to do whatever he wants to do. Um, so as we get started, a reminder that uh, you can certainly find the Rule the Galaxy podcast on a lot of different places around the web. You can find uh, us at, uh, at Rule the Galaxy SW on Twitter and Instagram, Rule the Galaxy on YouTube and Facebook, Rule the Galaxy podcast on TikTok, and Rule the Galaxy in all caps on Etsy for all of your um, wonderful merch needs. Um, yeah, I don't know. We've got some great things to talk about. There's been a lot of Star Wars news this week as we prepare for, oh gosh, the onsla onslaught of everything that we're going to be getting next week with uh, the Kenobi show. So um, I don't know. Why don't we just launch right into that? This has been kind of a, a big week. So uh, gentlemen, anybody got anything that they want to talk about right off the bat? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll go right ahead and jump into it. I mean, it's been a crazy week seeing Hayden and Ewan and all these interviews and seeing them in London. And, you know, it's like we're getting real full access to them and you can just feel the buildup that like we're actually going to get this show. It's actually going to happen. And uh, in just about a week, we're going to be sitting there and watching new Obi-Wan Kenobi Ewan McGregor content. And I can't believe it, honestly. I'm just excited for it. D-Doc, what did you think about the high water pants on, uh, I believe it was Hayden? What, you know, what, what, how, do you feel, how do you feel about said, said article of clothing? They're both wearing some high pants. I know you were showing <laughs> off some socks. Some very I mean, white showing... socks. Yes. <laughs> oh, was it Ewan that had the high waters? Okay. I said, that he... they lo I said that they looked like two growing boys going to Easter Sunday church, and mom just realized that they grew too much to fit in their Sunday pants. But didn't realize it until after they yeah. were already out in public, right? Oh yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, I think I'm gonna start hemming all of my pants now so I can look like that. Right, those... hey, there's not a chance you and I can pull that off, but it looked awesome on those guys, right? Like, that, like let's, let's be honest. Did it? Yeah. I, I don't know, I mean, look, they, they look, they're, they're handsome dudes, man. Those pictures are going to look so dated in about oh. 20 years when we look back at that. And people are going to be like, why was that the fashion back then? 
Yeah, it's going to be like when you look back on uh, Hanson, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, and see the clothes they were wearing. Hayden's were a little more baggier. They were a little baggier, and that was good. good. That was. Yeah. Hanson's coming out with a new album tomorrow, by the way, if you follow Are you serious? Off topic. They're alive? Oh, yeah. I mean, still very active. Umbaf is about the only thing I know. I'm sure that they probably have a like Blink 182's like really pop music is not what Blink 182 really is, but that's all I know of Blink 182 is their pop stuff. So I'm sure Hanson's got some like hardcore metal going on now, but <laughs> all I know is Umbaf. Oh, funny. Um, yeah, so so lots of new pictures, new interviews with uh, Hayden and Ewan and, and Moses Ingram. Kind of cool to see kind of this new. Um, this new trio it always we always seem to get trios with the new projects and that's always yeah. kind of fun to see so one thing that I did just see and I think it was on Twitter when I was scrolling it was from a Twitter account that I think was made just for the Obi-Wan trailer and it was called like Obi-Wan trailer you guys are both nodding so you've seen it as well but um, it was whoever played the female inquisitor I believe that's who was the third party and it was you and hey is that who that is? I don't know yeah. names. Reva. I apologize. Reva, there you go. I was trying to think of the name of the character. But uh, it was it was cool because they were quoting everything. And Reva's like, yeah, I think she's posted every day since October waiting for this. And they both kind of just like laughed and chuckled as they were reading some of the tweets that she had put out there. And she's like, well, I'm glad that you could, uh, that you're anticipating it. And we're, we're excited to watch it with you on the 27th kind of a thing. It was a really cool thing. And then she posted, I think I could die now yeah. or something of that nature. They, uh, they, they responded to a couple of different fans tweeting about the trailers. And um, then that was all shared by the official Star Wars account. I don't know who is running the official Star Wars account now. I think it must be somebody new because they've just been on fire on Twitter, interacting with all of the fans and creating some great moments. Yeah, whoever's running Star Wars Twitter right now seems to have their pulse on like a lot of the accounts that I seem to follow and I'll see them interacting and stuff like that. And it is funny. I mean, it's good. It's good to have that kind of interaction and fun with the account, you know, and I, like Brent said, I saw that, too. And it's like, I don't know, it's just a good way for them to connect with the fans and stuff, you know, I finally got my first interaction um, a couple of weeks ago. I posted after it was after the last uh, trailer came out with uh, um, Uncle Owen kind of burning <laughs> Obi-Wan. And I had, <laughs> I had posted um, a comparison shot of that moment um, where he says, you know, like you trained his father, Anakin, uh, uh, Luke's right. father. And then contrasting that with when Bo-Katan brings up Satine in front of Obi-Wan in, in uh, season seven of The Clone Wars. And in both shots, Obi-Wan kind of, you know, has this stricken look on his face and looks away. And I said that, uh, you know, Owen and Bo-Katan are co-presidents of the bullying Obi-Wan Kenobi club. And then the Star Wars account responded and said, maybe we make Ventress the VP. And I was like, okay, <laughs> they, they, they get it. They that get cool. it. Yeah. But have you seen the memes? And I wish I could remember some of the ones where they've put Lars just at random spots and basically doing just cold burns on the rest of like star wars and then I, I think they've even moved him out of star wars to just make like him he's now the he's now the uh straight cut to the throat uh meme which i think is awesome 
I think it is so funny that you can never really know what exactly is going to be memeable, but then the most random thing takes off. And I, now I, I have to know if Joel Edgerton has been watching to see all of these different memes. That's why I was like, man, they must have, they must be happy that they've gotten a meme out of the trailer already because <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's almost like how that, um, you know, Anakin and Padme one took off hardcore a couple months ago where it was, you know, the little four box, you know, thing with Anakin oh, yes. staring at her. And that one still cracks me up every time I see it. But yeah, I've seen them putting Owen in different situations, like you said, Brent, even out of Star Wars. And it, yeah. they're great. So they've already hit a meme. We haven't even had the show yet. It's great. It will be interesting to see if Kenobi is at all as memeable as the prequels are as a whole. I can't think of a set of movies as memeable as the prequels were you think of just so many that are just part of the cultural mainstay so i'm gonna ask a question because i'm an old fuddy-duddy here and i'm the oldest one in on the show right now i'm not the oldest one in the show but i am right now because that's what like so meme culture started with around the time of the prequels when it was coming around is that why it's so memeable because it was a new form of medium that was coming out and i'm gonna say your generation or that generation of people were growing up with it so they just found images and because like the whole obi-wan i have the high ground has now become like this like ridiculous meme this ridiculous statement that is said all the time in any setting but it came from meme and meme culture. It had to have. That's the only reason why it started. So I'm going to ask you guys, do you think it came from? I think that it, it might have had an impact given that it was coming out at the same time that internet culture was being formed. But I don't know if it's that or if it's more just, you know, the the one thing, well, you know, the the CGI, but other than that, I mean, if you can choose one thing that the prequels are kind of lambasted for, it's the dialogue. And I feel like the dialogue is the thing that really, at least in, in, in the cases that we see with the memes related to the prequels, like, I think that that's the thing that drives it. So you think it's the, it's the, the, the wooden dialogue, the creepy, not creepy, but the, the bad dialogue that allowed it be, to become memeable? Yeah, I think that I mean I, I think that if okay. I if I was just going to reduce it to one thing, it would probably be that. And but then I think that you're also right that it's not so much that it that meme culture was starting when it came out, but the the kids who grew up with the prequels when they were very young, they are the you know, Gen Z and the young millennials who then I think kind of defined meme culture maybe right. about a decade or two later right and, so, and that's yeah when I, those I memes so, come right. out it was more that that nostalgia feeling of like oh i remember watching that and that's funny and yeah then making it even funnier and stuff like that yeah Just, i think i could buy that another another aspect of that too i would say is um <clears throat> on may the 4th i remember i was i i made like a little video mashup um of like kenobi scenes and um when i was editing it i took all the sound away from all the videos before I edited it because I did it to a song 
And you know what it is, is there's so many, there's so many situations in Star Wars where people will say stuff and people will look at each other. And I didn't notice it as much until there was no dialogue where like, you know, Anakin will be looking away and Obi-Wan will be like turning and looking at like, I think part of the memeing is the facial expressions, like okay. especially with the, especially back to that Anakin and Padme one, you know, because he just has that little face of him just sitting there just like, you know, I don't know. It's very memeable. There's still prequel memes out there that people have not gotten a hold of. There will come. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that probably has a lot to do with the fact that the prequels are just very Shakespearean. The prequels are just very much like there's that heightened drama. It's still very, you know, rooted in reality, but you know, there's there's that kind of heightenedness where you know you're supposed to be able to see the emotions in people's faces. You're supposed to be able to you know, recognize when something seems off or, or whatnot. And so, yeah, I, I think that that definitely, if, if the wooden dialogue is the um, inspiration for the text of memes, the, the uh, cinematography and the framing and the acting is definitely all contributing to the visuals. All right. So speaking of Kenobi, I was found an in internet, uh, story just recently it was seven cameos that you we expect to see in uh that fans expect to see in kenobi all right so i'm gonna that whoever a, that whoever wrote the article expects sure, that fans expect sure. to see in understood kenobi. understood right and what i was gonna do is have our reaction to the names i'm gonna throw out i'm not gonna throw all seven because i don't remember all seven do we think we will see it and if you do what kind of context do you think give some details and some thoughts so one that was kind of that I hadn't even thought of when I read it was Chewbacca. Do you think that there would be a Chewbacca appearance of some kind in Kenobi? I'm not expecting it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so. It would be awesome, but I don't <laughs> think so. I, mean, I don't see. From I mean, what we've seen and what we know of the story, I don't see how it works in. I mean, from. This is taking place at almost the exact same time that Solo is, right? He's either he's right. either he's either chained up in a pit eating humans or he's with Han. And I don't think that we're seeing Han. Okay. So that was one of them. Um another one would be Bail Organa. Yes. We will so absolutely Jim, so see Bail Organa. Jimmy Smith's coming back. So in what context, like since you're saying we will see it and you think so. Yeah. How will we see Bail Organa? Like, in what context? What will it look like? Well, I've done my very best to try to avoid any kind of of scoops or spoilers. The one that I didn't is that you know th that there's apparently a young Leia casting. So I'm assuming that if that is at all in any way true, which um, personally I suspect it might, considering Obi Wan needs a pretty good reason to leave Tatooine and I suspect that it will probably have something to do with Leia. Right. Um, I, I suspect that Bale will be there too. I, I can envision him having like a very secretive conversation or something with him where he's like, you know, I'm trying to watch after Luke, but like, you know, Owen is, you know, I, I can see him like almost like talking to him for advice. And like you said, I stay away from spoilers. I don't read Mm -hmm. scoops and i did I, I honestly think that that leia casting 
probably was one of the early on things too. I remember them showing, you know, saying like, Leia, like young Leia could be in this show, but yeah, I could see him like meeting up with them and kind of like Bale knowing that he's out there. But we like, also know that he's going to be an Andor too, which means that Jimmy Smith has been on set. Andor and Kenobi were basically filming at almost the same time. So I yeah, but they were filming in two different continents, though. You're right that they were filming, but and with modern technology, they can. But from what I understand, and I don't read spoiler sites either. Like that's we leave that to Alfie, and then he tries <laughs> to give us like little nuggets in our text message strings, um, and we all tell him stop because we don't want the spoilers. <laughs> but as far as I understood, Andor was for the most part being filmed in London, and/or the filming over in Europe. Yeah. Whereas I believe Kenobi was shot in Los Angeles. Yes, I'm sure that that's the case. But considering Los Angeles is, you know, the place where the volume is, the place where, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I haven't heard that Andor filmed in any in Los Angeles at all. But it also right. wouldn't surprise me if there was some overlap. Right. And with the way technology and the way that they've built the technology. The other thing, too, is I think there's now a total of four different volumes, too. Yeah, so that's, that, so too. Yeah. So, but with the way that they have technology, they could have been, like, Smiths could have been filming in London and have the volume set up to where it looks like the same as the Kenobi scene. And it would look like he's in the same spot doing, like, it's, I'm amazed by what they can do with that volume. Yeah. So any more cameos? Um, so R2-D2 was another one that they threw out in there. What do you think? You, do you think we'll see an R2-D2? Where is he at this time? Isn't he? He's, he's, he's with the, he's on the ships, right? Is he with Captain with, Antilles? I think he's with, yeah, he's with Captain Antilles. Bale left him with, with Captain Antilles in right. Revenge of the Sith. So he was on like the blockade runner, yada, yada for, uh, for Rogue One, which was 15 years after this or so. No, 10, 20, 10 years 10. after this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of where he would be at. I was just, do we think we'll see it? And then I, when I Probably saw not. that one, and as we're talking about it, it's like, I never remember owning any droids. Like the uh, the old Obi-Wan quote where he doesn't recognize R2 and 3PO. Um, so That quote I, only, I, that I quote only like... makes sense if he's, if he's joking, though. I think they're going to find their way. I mean, they found they find their way to get him into Mando, which I mean, I know it can make sense, but uh, I, I don't know. They, P, Star Wars always finds a way to get 3PO and R2 in there somehow, <laughs> even if it's just for a split second, even if they're, even if it just shows a side scene where you might see that he happened to be in an area off to the side, I feel like you're going to see a flash of them at one point. I mean, he's definitely in it if we're getting Clone Wars flashbacks. And I, that's where I think you will see them, is you'll see, and you may even see Chewbacca in a Clone Wars flashback, too, if, if you see it, possibly. But yeah, I, that's where I would see it, is if the rumors of the flashbacks are true, then I think then you would see them in that flashback. And then the last one, and this is, I'm going to add a caveat to this one, Qui-Gon Jinn. And if we don't get Qui-Gon Jinn, how upset will fans be? I don't think that there's any reason to even consider that because we're absolutely getting Qui-Gon Jinn. Liam Neeson sucks at all of his interviews. Liam Neeson has tried, he has tried to deny that he even remembers Star Wars. He has tried to just kind of be like, are they still making movies like that? He's tried to say, 
I don't think I'm not in it. I just, you know, I'm kind of a, he said, I'm, I'm a film snob. I won't do anything unless it's film. And I'm like, Liam Neeson, you voiced Qui-Gon in the Clone Wars. Don't, <laughs> don't give me that. So no, I, I mean, I just, it, so you think, I mean, you I, think I, Liam, he's absolutely in it. Yeah. You think Liam's given us the Andrew Garfield, uh, Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, uh, tell off. I mean, I just wish that people would stop asking the poor man. We we ask these actors knowing that they cannot say, and then we sit there going, is he bluffing or is he double bluffing or is he triple bluffing? And it's just like, just leave it alone. Yeah, I agree. It, and I mean, I really, I, I'm, I really hope he's in it because I love Qui-Gon. I mean, as I've gotten older, he's become one of my favorite characters for some reason. I really can't even explain why. It's like I rewatch Phantom Menace when I'm older and I'm just like, I just love Qui-Gon. I don't know what it is about him. It's just as I've gotten older, I love him more. And to see more content of him, I would absolutely love it. And yes, I feel bad that they're getting asked these questions because like, I remember I saw that Tick, Tick, Boom movie that Andrew Garfield did and I loved that movie. And I felt bad that he did such a great job on that. And he had to just field all these questions for Spider-Man the whole time, you know? Yeah, I, I did see the quote of him saying, uh, I only do I only do film. I don't do TV shows. I'm just like, all right, he's in it. <laughs> that's, a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty bad one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm happy if he is. I can't wait for that. I'll probably be a man baby and be a little teary-eyed when I see Qui-Gon again. I will say that. I'm very excited if that does happen. You just said something which is really interesting to me, um, D-Doc. Uh, you said that as I got older, I've watched this and that Liam or uh, Qui-Gon has become more important to me. And I think that's why we can sit and talk about a show that's been or movies that have been around for 43 years every week for an hour, hour and a half and then listen to other people talk about it is because it does, as we change, our perspective of the characters change as they add Clone War. Like, it is not just a static movie to a lot of people that watch this all the time that we, we see things differently as we age. And I think Qui-Gon being the mentor and we always want a mentor and as you get to be more the age of Obi-Wan, you start to see that, that master-apprentice relationship a little bit differently when you were younger, you probably focused on R2-D2 and C-3PO. Or when you were younger and watching it, you probably focused on Ewan McGregor as a young Ewan McGregor. Or, heck, I, I'll be, I'm a fan of Jar Jar. Maybe if you were younger, you watched Jar Jar. And as you get older, you, you tend to look at things in a different way because your life experience is changing. And now you're a little bit about the same age as Ewan McGregor. And you see that master and you listen to the relationship and you listen to the words of wisdom that he's trying to give Obi-Wan. So I just wanted to make that point. Totally. I totally agree. Everything you just said. Yeah. I mean, you, you could have different things in your life or whatever you get older, you just notice different things. And yeah, that's, you wrapped it up perfectly there. So. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's all um, related to the fact that, I mean, this is our modern mythology. This is our, you know, this is how we explore the big questions of life in a way that, um, you know, makes sense to us in our culture. And um, I think that you absolutely see different things and appreciate different things as you hear those stories over and over and grow older. And 
All I know is that I had a chance to see Phantom Menace when I was little, definitely said, no, that sounds boring and Star Wars is for boys and here I am. So, (laughs) (laughs) right, but but, but you did, what? So your story from the past is, yeah, you watched it when you were a kid, but- No, I didn't. I never did. So no, no. You watched that movie when you were a kid. Did you go to no, it? No, I did you? not so, watch oh, the movie. Okay. I, didn't I watch. I didn't watch it until I was in high school because I, I refused to go. I also really hated the prequels in high school. Just didn't understand it. Thought that Anakin and Padme had zero chemistry. Um, had I, I just, I didn't understand it. But the two things that I understood was that Obi-Wan was amazing and that I loved Qui-Gon that was about it and so and that is basically still where I'm at um but uh it's amazing how as you know I mean for me it took Clone Wars to make the prequels make sense and then once they made sense and felt justified then going back there was a beauty to the story and a cohesiveness and an understanding that I just didn't have the first times around. Right. And that's what I was going to bring up from your story in the past is that you really got in with the Clone Wars animated series just recently too. So I figured you went to the movie, you said it was for boys, but you still went and you didn't like it. But as you got older, right, as you got older and as your life experience changed, then you got exposed to the Clone Wars and specifically your girl Duchess Satine and the Obi-Wan love story um, is what kind of drew you in. And that was kind of your latching point. And now you talk about the whole thing with all of us yahoos every now and then. Well, what's funny is that my, I mean, I, I, I watched, I came late. I, I watched the originals in high school and it was more out of an obligation because I was super into Stargate and felt like I needed to, like, I, I, I felt like I love the sci-fi show. I absolutely need to watch Star Wars, Star Trek, all of the things that I'm missing. And so I enjoyed the originals um, the most. Watched the prequels, didn't get it. Continued to be a big fan. Watched the sequels, really found them very meh. Mm. Didn't really care. Watched the first season of The Mandalorian, even with pretty great interest but just it like it was very much like something that I enjoyed more as a casual viewer a little bit more than the average casual viewer but definitely not like reading the books definitely Mm -hmm. not like caring like I do and then what's funny is that I did find Clone Wars and Satine stories specifically but then what's funny is that it actually relates back to the original hook related to the prequels which was that Satine was also involved in Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's story. And so it's kind of funny that the two hooks that I had originally are kind of the same hooks that that I that really got me into the whole series uh, after I found Clone Wars. And still ironic that that is the one part of all of their stories that has never been explored. <laughs> so I'm waiting for my story of what happened <laughs> to Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Satine on their year on the run. That's what I'm waiting for. I don't know what's going on. Well, the most recent book they just released, which is Brotherhood, I think, what was it, maybe earlier this month, is Anakin and Obi. <clears throat> and some of the early, some some of the, like the Clone Wars-ish uh, escapades between the two of them. Has anybody checked that one out or no? I have, yes. 
very good. Um, highly recommended. Um, Satine has some mentions, which is nice just to kind of see her name in print and, and see how she's contributing to the story. But um, yeah, just a, just a good all-around adventure, kind of exploring the, uh, the a, a new adventure of what happened on Cato Nymordia. I know that that was explored in Legends, but um, it's being explored again. And uh, this one's got some nice world-building, culture-building for the Nymordians. That, that leads me to a question that I'm going to ask now. Do you think we will, I, I have two questions and one is for both, I guess they're both for both of you guys. Number one, will we hear Satine's name in the Kenobi series at all? Do you think we will hear her mentioned at all? Will we see her in a flashback? I mean, are they going to address that? Because that one line from Kathleen Kennedy about, you know, I might be jumping ahead on something we have, but what, what did she say? Some long lines of, you know, because there was a story today about Ray being related to Kenobi. Yes. Uh, I and, that. and Kathleen Kennedy was like, well, that would totally go against the, the Jedi Creed or whatever. And it's like, did you watch Dave Filoni's show? Like, that's what I'm wondering. You know, we're we're playing off of so much Clone Wars stuff and you see what happened there and you're kind of saying the polar opposite. So number one, will we hear Satine and number two, you guys met Anna Graves, so I want to hear about that as well. So you guys can play so off of that. I'm going to jump in for 30 seconds because all of this is going to go to uh, Jess because, one, Jess has a uh, had a twi Twitter response to said st story by Kathleen Kennedy that I would love to hear her share with everybody else. And I would also like to hear her talk about meeting and being able to in uh, interview Anna Graves uh, on the podcast stage. So I will turn it over to you. Okay. Well, let's see, where do, where do we start? Um, well, first off, yeah, we, we in addition to all of the uh, the Kenobi news, we got the Vanity Fair article, which um, gave us a lot of different interesting topics and we'll come, we'll circle back around to a couple of them. I made a couple different posts related to what we were seeing, but one of them, yeah, today, um, it was, this comment that Kathleen had made, you can really tell that she was looking to address these lingering, not even preconceptions, I'm just going to say conceptions of the fact that the sequels were not very well planned out. There's always been this question of race parentage. Daisy Ridley came out of about maybe a year, year and a half ago, and said that they were thinking about a Obi-Wan connection. Um, and that people kind of ran with that, but of course there were other connections that were being considered as well. But I think that, yeah, for some reason, there's something about the idea of her having a connection with Obi-Wan as opposed to being a solo kid or being a Skywalker kid that like people just get very... They have very strong opinions about this. And what's interesting to me about Kathleen's response is that, yes, it does not really seem like she is taking into account anything from the Clone Wars, anything related to Satine. I don't think that she was thinking at all about theories with secret love nephews. And so she was not thinking about Corky at all. 
she was just thinking of Ray. And when that's the case, I think that the implication is that, oh, Obi-Wan must have been in some kind of relationship while on Tatooine. And then, you know, had a child who then had a child who was Ray. That's usually how it goes. Honestly, if that's what we're thinking, then I agree with her. I don't think that adult Obi-Wan was sleeping around or, you know, doing anything like that. So in, if that's the mentality that she's coming from, then I basically agree. But I don't think that that precludes what happened in Obi-Wan and Satine's story. And especially the fact that like Dave Filoni has definitely at points like used words like saucy and and like mature to explain what their relationship was like while they were on the run if that's the case and he's young and I mean even like with like new high republic books and stuff like that there's there's kind of this establishment that there was some exploration going on with young Padawans. So I look at that and I'm kind of like, given what Dave has said, given the fact that like Dave absolutely believes that Corky is Obi-Wan's son, he has basically said as much. That's where I'm just kind of like her, what she said kind of falls apart because if we're talking about him as a mature Jedi, that's a totally different person than who Obi-Wan may have been when he was young. So I don't know. Ultimately, what I kind of said in my response on Twitter was that I don't think that Kathleen Kennedy is the one who's supposed to be making these decisions. She's kind of overstepped her bounds in the past when it comes to storytelling. I'm not saying that she can't um, make comments considering she was and is close to George Lucas, but she's not the storyteller. And I think that that's gotten her in trouble in the past. Um, George Lucas has flat out stated that the Jedi, or at least met, you know, some of the Jedi are not celibate. Um, that's being backed up by other media that is being explored right now, like the High Republic. And ultimately it's just, I don't know. I, I look at it and I go, there's such a missed opportunity for a good story here when you look at the fact that Corky Kreez would be the literal embodiment of the end to the Mandalorian and Jedi feud. I just think that if, if that's not considered, you're missing out on a great opportunity. Yeah, see, that's why I asked you that question. <laughs> <laughs> see, you're and and that's what when when we even get back into rewatching things, like even talking about watching, like I watched Clone Wars for the first time recently, and I'm about to go through it again because there's so much I follow from you that you point out in these storylines that, like, yeah, I watched it before, but like there there is a lot of depth to it, and like you said, there's opportunity for good storytelling to play off of that so i think that's the, the, we'll i think that's the thing that bugs me the most is when people say 
you know, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of comments from people that are just like, well, why are you so obsessed with him having a son? And I'm like, I'm not. What I, what I really love is that Star Wars is a story about connections. It is at grand mythology. It's not like surprise parental um, revelations is a new thing. So it's, it's, it's like, you can't, you can't look at a franchise that is defined by I am your father and not feel like this could be a part of it. And then also when the fact that like, like, this is what we're exploring now is the, the Mandalorian story, but we always want to be able to have that Jedi um, factor because that's what Star Wars is about. I just think that there's, there's so much there. And so every time there's new material, I'm probably, you know, I look like a fool, but I feel like there's a lot of good story opportunities here that Lucas uh, film or, you know, Disney doesn't really get, or they're just ignoring because they could, you know, Corky and Bo-Katan could show up in the Bad Batch. We know that we still haven't seen the fall of Mandalore to the Empire. They can show up in Kenobi if Corky is looking for his father. They can show up in Andor. They can show up in, they did, uh, Bo-Katan did show up in Rebels. There's all of these opportunities. And I'm just like, just pay me, Lucasfilm. I can write these stories for you. So I'm going to go on the other end a little bit and as not to just to play the devil's advocate but growing up as a child of the original trilogy um the idea that there is no attachment was something that was so strong in and a theme that ran through that there's you can have love like and the force is love and hate right so i heard somebody explain that to me so there's love and hate like you feel the love and that's what the force is, is love found flowing through everything so there is love but there's no attachment right there that was something that they they warned against and then they went deeper into that in the prequel so that is that is a notion that kind of sticks around from where i where i have been a fan and what i have seen without reading into all of the other details reading the books and all that stuff so that's where i see where kathleen's coming from with that no attachment and on the other side like luke i am your father like you just said that's coming from the one Jedi who has fallen, right? So the so that is part of the fall was him having that attachment to Padme, him creating those those children through that unwelcome, not unwelcomed, un. I don't know how to explain it, but so that that love affair that was supposed to be secret, that secret hidden love created those kids and therefore that father yes he was a father to jedi but at the same time he was somebody who had fallen and it it seems more logical because he has fallen and that was leading to his fall or a huge step into that because what does yoda say anger leads to hate hate leads to or pain suffering i don't know the exact quote but like all of that comes from having those strong attachments so that's where i like just from a person who's been looking at it from that perspective for so long that's where i see her statement having some merit and where it's coming from yes but why is it that the act of sexual intimacy is what is defined as attachment because lucas has said that's not the case and the whole point with Obi-Wan and Satine's story is that regardless of whether or not they had a child, regardless of, not, of, of whether or not they ever even k- kissed, 
he left her. That's the point is that he was not so attached that he stuck mm. around, even though he says if she had asked him, he would have left. So he was willing to leave the Jedi for her. And yet when she did not ask him, presumably because she did not want to take him from that life, he let her go too. That's the non-attachment. This is why it's a good storyline. <laughs> you got me just here seeing all of this storyline playing out in my mind right now. So, and yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's I mean, the thing is, is like, I again, I think I just think that it's important to look at who Obi Wan was as when he was young versus the Jedi that he becomes, which is again who I think Kathleen was kind of addressing right. when she was talking about this. I mean, we know that. Obi-Wan, I mean, in, in the original trilogy, he says that he was angry. He says that he was, you know, he, he says that he was frustrated. He says that Yoda had to, to teach him. We get, um, you know, we've gotten books over the years that kind of explored that era with him. And it's just like, I think that it's just important to remember that, like, even these characters who, you know, kind of become almost like untouchable plaster saints, they started somewhere. So I don't think that Obi-Wan is the person that he was when he was 18, 19, 20 years old. But I also think that there's a story that could be told at that age, which does not at all negate the Jedi that he becomes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, and also, like even compounding off of this, I mean, if to me, Luke is the perfect example of a Jedi who cares and loves people. I don't think, I I don't think Luke, in my opinion, is able to separate his love or care for Leia or his his crew. That's why I I you know in Book of Boba Fett when he gave Grogu his choice, you know, you, you can't go with him. You got to choose this or that's it. I'm like. Yeah, but like also you were able to be the badass Jedi and still have your friends that you love too. Like I remember I kind of struggled with that. I don't know. It's complicated. The, the whole Jedi order is very complicated. There's also a generational difference here because the books of the expanded universe are not what's being followed now. Mm -hmm. So I would for, say for better or worse, there's... There's a difficulty here because depending on how long you've been a fan, how much media you've consumed, you're going to approach this, these conversations a lot differently because things like the, the, the fan developed idea of like gray Jedi, this idea of like, oh, you have to, you know, the, the Jedi denied their feelings, de denied their passions. And that there was kind of this idea that's that, you know, oh, there were people who wanted to use both sides, like the only way that you could feel things was if you tapped into the dark side like that that was something that whether or not it was promoted by the books or the fans themselves that was something that gained a lot of popularity and i think it betrayed a real misunderstanding of who the jedi are and that's definitely not something that characterizes for example books that are being written now as far as i can tell there, there are definitely Jedi who kind of subvert like the the bounds of the Jedi Order, kind of like you know we've seen Ahsoka in the um, 
High Republic series, we're getting people called Wayseekers who are just not really affiliated so much with the Jedi Order. But we're not seeing that view of like, oh, there's a gray Jedi who can use both sides of the force. And thus, I think that there's there's something to be remembered when we have these conversations, because if you have any of that in your background, then I think that there are there is a tendency to fall into that idea of like Jedi don't feel, which is not at all what Lucas said, because the Jedi are defined by love. They are encouraged to love. It's an agape passion, you know, compassionate love. But that's very much something that I don't think George Lucas ever intended for people to, to think about. Well, I would go another step. So like, it, I think it does depend on how much media you consume, because that's one thing I'll say, because your Star Wars is different from my Star Wars. And that's what I based upon how we've consumed the media. And I think if you're an original trilogy fan, I think, like I said, I feel like the whole idea of the Jedi Order was like the supreme. They were the way they were. At, they were the best and the highest. And they don't they didn't do anything wrong because what you see is Obi-Wan and Luke. And you see Luke doing what Luke doing Luke things and the Jedi having not attachments. And those are the things that the, you should aspire to. And then you go to the prequels where they show that the Jedi Order was not as uh, not um, as virtuous as what we thought it was when we were watching the original trilogy. They made they had mistakes. They have flaws. They were involved in politics. They were doing things that weren't what we expect. Like as a original trilogy, without reading all of the media, just watching the movies, the Jedi look like they're not as good of as we thought they were from the originals. So it changes your perspective. So if you're growing up with the prequels, you're going to look at the Jedi in a different way than somebody who grew up with the original trilogy looking at Jedi as well. For sure. And that's why part of the reason why the prequels yeah. were not well received. Right. And for that matter, keep moving forward to the sequels as well. Yep. So. Yep, exactly. So I don't know. I think that it's all interesting, an interesting conversation. I just, I personally wish that that kind of decision was not coming from someone who <laughs> is not the storyteller. I, 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 I think that there, there needs to be room for a lot of different people to have different views on these topics and to explore things in slightly different ways. But, you know, I, I just kind of felt like, mm, Kathleen, it just kind of would have been better if you hadn't made that comment because it just opens up a lot of infighting with the fandom. It opens up a lot of people being like, we'll see, you know, you, you know, your, your head cannons don't make any sense now. And it's like, well, I mean, I think that we just need to leave a lot of room for the fact that like, this is, <laughs> until we see these stories play out on screen and sometimes not even then like there's these questions are not answered as, as i've said before kathleen kennedy needs someone who's connected to the <laughs> star wars fandom that can be in her ear I, even you just you could be, just I be would right love that. just be like can i stand like, can i stand don't answer that. whisper in her i ear. would love whisper that in her ear. oh man i would do that job for free i would stand next to her and be like no kathleen you don't want to say that that will come back to the <laughs> generic answer generic answer don't give them any ammo <laughs> all right so i want to go to ddoc's second question just because yes, we might have lost yes. track yes we and might it, have. it's also going to give a recap of your experience at ICC con. so the second piece 
was you interviewed Anna Graves. What was that like because of your love for the Duchess and all things Mandalore? Uh, kind of share with everybody who's listening what that was like. Yeah, that was that was a fantastic experience. I will I will say there was something that I didn't uh, respond to in the the first question, which was, will we hear or see Satine in Kenobi? Um, I'm becoming more doubtful of that by the moment, especially with things like Kathleen saying what she did, which makes me think that Satine is not on her mind at all. So um, I would like if Obi Wan had one mention of her. I just want him to say her name, which would make both my Obi Teen and Mulan Rouge loving hearts very happy so that would that that's that's all i want can i please just have that i don't ask for much but um yeah it was it was really incredible i went to iccc that was three c's right yeah, yeah. um basically because of my love for the clone wars and the fact that this was kind of the first and only time on the docket that uh james arnold taylor who plays obi-wan and anna graves who plays Satine, was gonna we're gonna be there together and they were also joined by uh, matt lanter and ashley Eckstein. so i mean how how does it get better than that i just wish that cat Tabor had been there and we could have gotten like the, the whole gang uh, would have been amazing um, but yeah, that's, you know, I kind of, um, went down for that without any real expectations for how the week, uh, the weekend would go, but, and I wasn't there representing, um, the podcast or my, my podcast. I, I came in really late. I didn't know that I was going until about a week and a half before. And so I wasn't able to get like a media pass or anything like that. But what happened was that, um, there was a podcast room set up, people doing interviews, um, rule the galaxy was there had a presence the whole weekend and um you know so it was it was really great to get connected with all of you guys in person um and then all of a sudden there was one um moment where anna was going to be interviewed on the stage by the um the, the podcast group that was kind of running at all and i don't know what happened but the person who was supposed to co-host either dropped out or there was they were looking for somebody and all of a sudden there was um, just kind of a call that was like, anybody want to interview Anna Graves? So just to throw that out there, EPCP, C I think. EPCPTV. TV, right. Yeah. So they, they were the home, they were the host, they had all of their equipment and there was a couple guys and they were the ones that were interviewing the, on Friday, they were interviewing a lot of the guests. But as we got to know each other in the, in the podcast room, it started to become a little bit lighter and looser and so as it was coming towards the end of the day on Saturday, I think, mm -hmm. um, Anna Graves was, had her time slot. And one of the guys was like, who wants to host? Joe, do you want to host? And he looked over at Joe and Joe's like, you know what? Who would be great to do this? Duchess back there because she was in the room with us at the time. And she's like, he's like, well, like, no, no, she definitely would be good to do this. And from that's how we set up uh, Jess to interview Anna Graves it was pretty cool yeah I'm just immensely thankful for Joe because I, I like I said I wasn't there with the media pass I was just sitting in the room waiting for her interview and um so when he said that I did not feel like it was appropriate for me to raise my hand and say let me do it but he was like you know let let Jessica do it and and uh, after they confirmed that I actually did have a podcast and wasn't just some crazy person <laughs> but actually could speak on camera um they said sure let's go for it and um it was just really an amazing experience very validating and um 
I had about 10 minutes to prepare. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure that uh, part of the success was the fact that, you know, this is someone who I greatly admire and already had questions that I wanted to ask her. So um, we just got up there and it felt like everything flowed really well. And um, we talked about um, her career and uh, what it was like getting cast in the Star Wars universe and um, yeah, just kind of her work doing voice acting, the other characters that she's played. We talked a little bit about Sugi, who is uh, her bounty hunter character on Clone Wars, who I've always wanted to know more about. And um, actually it was it was uh, at the convention that Anna talked about in the, in the panel that there actually was more Sugi content that came out, um, but it was all of the material that was cut with Boba Fett um, after Clone Wars got canceled. And so, but like, that was just, it was just such a fun time and just very validating after the fact. And then the guys at ECPC TV were right. all, you know, I, I got connected with them and, and it was just that, that whole, that whole weekend was just so much fun because it was, mm -hmm. um, it, it just struck me that it's a lot easier to network with people who have a love of something that you also love. So it's just amazing weekend. Walking into that podcast room, it's like we already had friends because we had like interests, right? So it's yep. why it became a lot easier to to become friends with them and to have those conversations. And if you want to watch the Duchess do her uh, her interview, and you can see even all of the interviews they had, um, uh, I think they had Anthony Daniels on. They interviewed, I think, Ian, I don't think Ian McDermott ever made it into the room. No. Um, but Anthony D'Angelo's did, and pretty much every other one of the major guests had, uh, except for Ashley Eckstein, I don't think she made it either, but James Ardell Taylor sat down for about a 15 minute, um, they had the guy who did the Muppet Babies, Guy, guy Gilchrist, anyway, all of that can be found on YouTube at EPCT, EPCPTV, so if you go to YouTube and type in EPCPTV, you should be able to find all of those 15 minute to half an hour podcast sessions they're yeah. pretty fun yeah it was a lot of fun so um yeah just just and and even beyond the podcast the podcasting world even beyond the actors who were there um that was that was the first time that i had been to a star wars related convention i had been to one stargate convention a couple of years ago but um whenever i do things like this it's just amazing how easy it is to connect with people when you have a love for something that's shared amongst you it just kind of takes away that necessity for small talk and you can find yourself talking to the person sitting next to you and then an hour later you can be like so what's your name Dude, <laughs> it's just amazing i i walked up to a hera cosplayer and talked to that person for 15 minutes because she was in a hera cosplay and part of the conversation was about moon Knight because her I think it was boyfriend or whoever she was with was cosplaying Moon Knight and I'm like all right I have no idea what's going on with this but still it was like a 15 minute conversation that I was drawn over to her because she was cosplaying Hera and Sindula and it was an amazing Hera Sindula it's cool yeah now and then there, that there is a purchase that you made that if you're on YouTube like you couldn't resist yourself because I remember talking to you and you're like, yeah, all of these toys and this is, I'm kind of a minimalist and like, it's not really my thing. And like, I don't really have a clutter of toys behind me. Like D doc does. <laughs> I'm not a Lego builder, but then when I get home, I pull up Twitter and I see a post 
So what 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 did you purchase? I'm just so ashamed of myself because I <laughs> you, should, you totally shouldn't be. You totally should not be. I I maintained all weekend that I was <laughs> I was not the person this con was for. Because I am not a collector. Right. I I have I have one action figure and that's Bo-Katan. And that's about it. So I thought I'm just going to go, I'll meet people, I'll make some connections, I'll have a fun time, and I and my bank account will be intact. <laughs> and then I walk by and I see this saber. <laughs> this is Stellan Geos's lightsaber from the High Republic series. Ah, okay. And it is my favorite, and it has a beautiful cross guard, and it is just glorious, and I saw it, and... I basically freaked out because I've never, I mean, it was the only thing that I saw representative of the High Republic while I was there. And yeah, um, yeah no, it was, uh, let's see if we can turn it on here. It was just amazing. It's, you just got some great weight to it. Come on. I might need to, there we go. Oh you're my on, God. You're on YouTube, see that it's. <laughs> so, on Twitter, like I get home and she's taking a picture in the mirror. And by the way, she was in a fantastic Leia cosplay outfit, but she's standing in her Leia cosplay outfit in the mirror holding this lightsaber. And I just laughed hysterically because I was like, she said that she said she wasn't gonna get anything. That thing is incredible. It That's is. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They had they actually had like the the they had a a, st a stand or a group there that was selling the dueling lightsabers like the heavy metal ones with like that are for like the full-on fencing jedi dueling stuff so yep. yeah they they had those would run anywhere from 250 to like a grand i was actually pretty proud of myself because for the very first time in my life i actually haggled and actually got a deal i mean like it was still my bank account was not happy with me but i did get a much better deal than i could have expected to pay and so awesome um yeah no it was it was just kind of a, a fun experience and uh i mean this one is it's it's good enough to be dueling quality um when i'm inexperienced i don't know if i'll do that so you know again i say that i'm done but <laughs> that's where Once my downward starts. spiral <laughs> that's where my downward spiral started well, my first uh, lightsaber I bought. I remember I was going to have my first child and I said to my wife, I went to a Barnes and Noble and they had Luke's uh, Return of the Jedi Star Wars FX lightsaber there. And I had only built one or two, three Legos at that time. I was just starting to get back into it. And I'm like, hey, we're going to have a baby soon. This lightsaber is on sale. It's a mistake that it's on sale. It's only $125. She's like, what? I'm like, just please let me get this before we have a kid. And we start. <laughs> so, yep, it's been all downhill from there. So I, I hope know. it's the same for you. <laughs> Don't say that. My mom was so disappointed in me. <laughs> um, my, my mom grew up, you know, I, I grew up just being told, you know, you don't spend more than you anticipate. And I had to take out a little money from the ATM and I was not going to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, my, my only saving grace is that I do think that whatever collecting I do, I'm not somebody who like, I'm not a completionist. Right. Um, 
but I will say that I was talking with the guys from ECPC um, afterwards and basically said the same thing. And one of them was like, yeah, but that's me too. And I was like, oh, great. It's I'm, I'm done for, but, but I, I will say, I mean, this, this one is like, th I think that this is going to be, you know, this is just kind of the epitome of my, you know, I mean, th this is just my favorite lightsaber and I have it now. So I think that the only thing else that I could see myself getting is just a, a general lightsaber if I do want to learn to duel. And then, right. th you know, this one would just be more display display. Um, but then again, all it's going to take is one moderately priced dark saber to finally come on the market. And I'll probably be done for there too. If I get the dark saber, I might as well get Obi-Wan's lightsaber because they're kind of a pair in my mind. So <laughs> that's the, making the rolling motions. That's the rabbit hole. <laughs> that's that's the spiral that starts. I yep. luckily have not been bit with like all of the toys that are out there. And so watching these guys, uh D Doc, I, I think it was D Doc, Alfie, and Joe are doing a I'm going to take everything out of the box from here forward type of thing and slowly oh. slowly releasing pictures of them actually getting yep. over the fact of keeping them on cards and actually taking them out and unboxing them. Well, because that was the thing that I was talking about with the ECPC guys, and I was trying to get into the mentality of a collector. So, so um, D-Doc, with, with, with your figures, I, I see there you, you've got some that are out. What is yeah. it about collecting? Are you don't you don't seem to be like the they have to stay in the in the box in mint condition purist or or are you? Not, not really. I mean, and what I'll say is I didn't even really start getting into figure collecting until I started listening to this podcast I, before I was even part of it. I mean, I had Star Wars stuff, but when I listened to Joe and Alfie and those guys all talk about it, I'm just like. I'm like, man, I'm like, I, I go to the stores and I'll see these Star Wars figures and I think they look great. I'm like, why am I not buying them? I, I've always done Legos. The the Lego thing started a while ago, which you always take that out of the box. I mean, there's Lego buyers yeah. who just go and keep them in it and just resell it. But I'm in it for the enjoyment of it. I'm not in it to make money. And that's exactly what I thought. It's like, it's not like I'm keeping the dust off my boxes or, you know, whatever. That's why I just opened up this actually this dooku was the first black series figure that i bought because it was on sale and i'm like i just want to have a black series figure and yeah i opened it the other night and i'm like why do we keep these in the box because it looks amazing when he has his lightsaber in his hand and you can pose it and do different things with it and yeah i don't know i'm i'm not looking to you know maybe if i have something in the box and i want something else i don't know i don't really plan on selling anything Right. And that's yeah, and that, I, that's what I was talking about with the ECPC guys because I was just trying to get into this mentality of the people who do go to ICCC for the act of collecting because I just don't, I don't get that particular mentality of like oh I have to search for this particular rare item that is just going to sit on my shelf and I'll look at it but I won't touch it I won't feel it because to me there's something that's just missing if you're not able to take it out of the box but mm -hmm. i mean you can make it into displays i mean i've seen some people do like uh shelving units and stuff like that where you have it on display like, it's not something that i like i buy my toy like i'm addicted to my star wars legion toys like you saw my addiction if uh full on at icc but 
I use those. I, I, I manipulate them. I handle them. Like I also paint them to whatever markings I want to have. So like I'm actually utilizing them. I'm not keeping them in a yeah. box or anything like that. So that yeah. bug has, has not hit me. I like looking at them, right? And I think there are some people that are looking at it for monetary value too, right? So they don't just, the, the collectors aren't just looking at it as like, I got to have this rare item. I got to have this rare item because I'm hoping in 10 years, it's going to be worth more than what it is when I paid for it. But that's the thing I don't get. And I know that it's just because it's, I'm me, but I couldn't imagine if I had such a love for these figures and these collections of then selling it. And that's the thing that just doesn't make sense in my mind of people who are like, I love this, I'm going to collect this. And then someday, theoretically, I will be able to sell it. And I'm just like, but why? Why would you sell it? <laughs> See, you gotta buy, but you gotta buy something else, right? You'll sell that yeah. because there's some other holy grail that you just be exposed to, and you gotta go yeah. buy that. So you gotta make money and make room in your house to go buy that. I mean, the thing yeah. is, is that I cannot talk because I don't feel it. I, I don't feel this kind of pull when it comes to figures. Um, but for me, it it's books, and mm. so I mean, I'll tell you what. The greatest scheme in modern Star Wars is this thing called the High Republic. Because I have spent 10 times as much, more, 20 times as much to buy and listen to the books of this series that span adult novels, young adult novels, junior novels. There's even kids books, which I, I haven't yet found reason to buy. Audiobooks and... I mean, I, I got in on the ground floor with Disney Plus where I got their like three year subscription. And so it comes up to like four bucks a month for the entirety of the Disney Plus library. And yet I have spent so much more money to enjoy the High Republic books. And then I bought this. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's that's where they got me. And and yeah. so I, I can't really complain, but at the same time, when I, when I spend money on books, I do kind of remind myself you know what there are far worse things that i could spend my money on yes yeah that's why i mean i'm glad i'm glad that uh i've had the inspiration from alfie and joe to start opening some of these so yeah i mean it's like part of it too is the building i'm with brent on that i like if there's one thing i like even more than the stories of star wars i like to try to build things like i have a y-wing sitting right next to me that i built with lego like i just like to build the ships and and do that stuff i have little custom lightsabers that i built from plumbing parts little fake lightsaber hilts like i just like to build things like almost like star wars props and with brent i know the time that he puts in painting those figures and stuff like that i'm even thinking about starting to make dioramas because i follow mm -hmm. a guy on youtube and I'm like, uh, it would be cool That's... to have Dooku and Obi-Wan and Anakin and make my own diorama around the Black Series figures. I don't know. It's part of the whole, it's, yep. it's just another expansion onto Star Wars is this, summarizing it yeah i'm not the collector that's going to say i'm holding on to this so i can buy something later it's just not me yeah yeah i agree but I, I kind of like that we all come to this franchise right. in different ways and we all interact with it in different ways and that's there's something really special about that for sure um another thing that people do you know i mean we went to icc their celebration next week um mm -hmm. probably don't have a lot of time to talk about all of that but anybody um excited for anything that's been 
previewed or or that we're expecting from celebration next week so the only thing that i really want is i want something about andor i want i am dying for a trailer like there's supposed to be a panel and there's supposed to be at minimum a trailer for andor i have said millions of times on this podcast that kenobi is the like it's a mainstream and everybody is a big kenobi fan i want to see it i'm just i'm petrified of the fan reaction to it like i i just i'm feeling that people are gonna anyways i'm just worried that there's gonna be so much hate and backlash from it i'm gonna enjoy it because it's star wars but i really am excited for andor i really want to see what they do with andor i really like the idea of a gritty spy um rebel i really am into the timeline like so obi-wan's in that same timeline i'm in this timeline of like the early rebellion because i really loved rebels and i know there's other cells out there right so i want to see what those other cells are doing and andor is another one of those cells saw guerrera is another one of those cells just like the harrison doula and the canaan jarris so i want to see that like that's what i'm hoping and that's what i'm looking forward to from celebration I was I was going to say the exact same thing. That's that's the one thing we we know what's coming with Kenobi. It will be fun to see people's reactions considering Kenobi will come out at the same time that people are at the con and Ewan's there and everything. But um I mean just this last week when we got pictures of Cassian and Mon Mothma it's like I that 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 just sent me into a place that was like I'm so ready for the show. Like you said, it's a great period, great premise. I think that there's so much that uh that they they have to work with. So that's that's the standout thing for me too. Yep. And I'm, I'm right on board with you guys. I mean, Rogue One is one of my, I've been on the record for saying Rogue One is one of my favorite Star Wars movies of all time. I don't know if that's a controversial take, but I love that movie. And I want some Bad Batch news. I want to, I want Bad yeah. Batch. Yeah. Bad Batch is a show that I enjoy a lot more than I thought I would. Like I, I was, I thought it was going to be a filler piece. I was going to be like, yeah, here's some more Star Wars. I really enjoy the crew of Bad Batch. I'm curious where that story is going. I'd like to get a date on when it's coming out. I know it's happening, but yeah, I'm excited for both of those. I want to hear some about both of those. I, I really agree. hope we do hear about Bad Batch. They've taken it off of the rosters lately, and so I can't tell if that's because they're leading up to a, a announcement or if they're if it got delayed. I I, ho- I hope it's. Uh... I hope they, it's a great show, in my opinion. I mean, those guys stand alone on their own and they're a great crew and you're building this story. I was wondering, maybe they're writing something in where they're like, oh, maybe we got to tweak the story a little bit or something. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I just hope that we get a season two of it. I feel like, so Here, here's where I'm going to go at. There's a lot of potential in there. Watching that Bad Batch first season, it felt like there was about six episodes in there that were pulled from a season two when they realized when they got the green light, green light to have a season two, they pulled some of those season two shows and put them in there, kind of some of those adventure of the week type episodes in the middle of that season. It seemed like it went on for a little bit too long and there was a couple, it, it was a little bit disjointed. So they might be trying to refill in some of those ideas. I don't know. Yeah. I just... I like the idea of the Bad Batch, and I think I'll, I hear Alfie in my head saying this. He just wants them to be more Bad Batchy, right? He, wants, he wanted to see them more work as a team, like they did in that first episode where, like, Wrecker was doing this, and you had Crosshair 
trying to snipe from away and you had Tech doing his stuff. Teak. You had Teak doing his stuff. Right? He just wanted to see them do a lot more bad batchy as a unit type things. And if we get that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm I really like that this show is the perfect place to be able to explore the empire in its early years. It's the perfect right. place to be able to see um, characters related to Clone Wars and locations. And I mean, they, they definitely leaned into that in season one with um, basically reusing a lot of characters and locations that were in um, Clone Wars season seven. Um, which mm-hmm. I, I think is really cool. I mean, those those digital sets are already there. The character designs are already there. Get some more use out of them. I don't know why the only one that didn't show up was Mandalore. I'm that's the only one that I care about, and I think that it also would have a a, a really good uh, tie in to the clones who are themselves, you know, descended from a Mandalorian. So that's what but I'm they, hoping. But they also left it at the Mount Tantive, I think is what the name of it is, where they were doing all of the cloning of Jedi um, for Heir to the Empire. Mm-hmm. And they saw, they saw Lamasu, Mamase, Tungwi, whichever one walked off the damn transport and into there. So there's gonna be some cloning in that facility and they may be working on cloning Jedi. And that's when you get Leuk and you get uh, Jeru Sabayoth. Yeah all of that stuff going on and i just kind of i'm hoping that they lean into that a little bit too that'd be cool to not even drag it out too long but yeah. the bad batch i'm my little guy is five years old just started what I, I was like why don't we throw this on like he's been interested in star wars but like he'll get distracted he's a five-year-old he's been interested in the bad batch me and him watched multiple episodes together where he's following it and he was so shocked when he heard crosshair say that he already removed his chip it was like one of the coolest things it's part of the reason why i love the show even more is because you know i'm enjoying it with him but it was funny to see him be like because he doesn't even know about clone wars or you know them finding out about the chips you know rex or anything his first exposure to rex is in bad batch he thinks rex is the coolest guy just from the bad batch he loves the guys in it and i'm like this is a great show especially for kids like that's why that's part of the reason why i've my attachment has grown even more to it is because when the new ones come out i want to watch it with them you know it's like i I don't know it just adds to the uh excitement i'll say so give us more bad batch yeah it reminds (laughs) me when you said that he freaked out when he said that uh he'd already removed his chip it reminds me that you know kids are going to come in at different places in this this series and it's it's just like the the surprise of i am your father yeah and exactly you know he was so upset when wrecker got he was upset because wrecker he loves wrecker and when wrecker got angry in that episode yeah he was just like i could tell he was like pretty you know it was pretty scary you know he grabs uh i think hunter or tech by the neck and it's like that that scene is wild so uh yeah it's i don't know They, they have a good little crew with it so Yep. I want more. <laughs> I do too. Give me more. I'd love love to see it. But yeah, wow, covered a lot. We've got a lot yes. coming in the next couple of weeks, but I think this was a good um, lead up to everything that we're going to be getting. So thank you, gentlemen, for the stimulating conversation. Thank you, listeners, for enduring us. Um, 
Um, as I mentioned before, there are lots of places that you can find Rule the Galaxy online. And um, if you're interested in following me, you can find me at Dark Saber Light. And um, my podcast will hopefully be getting up and running again since uh, it's it's so much easier to put podcasts uh, together when it's just reaction to new content. And I'm certainly looking forward to reacting to Kenobi. So um, that'll be coming out again um, on YouTube and on other podcasting sites as well. So uh, hope to see you there. My podcast co-host and I um, are always really excited to dive deep into um, storytelling and and exactly why this franchise is so um, enduring throughout the generations as well. So this is just a special franchise. It's fun to be able to celebrate with different people all the time. It never, never seems to get old. So thank you, gentlemen. Um, have a wonderful evening. And uh, uh, did you have anything that you wanted to say? I'm going to say we're happy to have you on board with us. Even if it's once a month, we're happy to have you on board. You know, yep. you, we've well, always enjoyed having you as a guest. So I'm very excited that you're kind of joining us for these, you know, at least once a month episodes. So oh, well, thank great you. first episode. Well, welcome to the crew um, of Ruffy of uh, Scoundrels and Scruffy looking Nerf Herders. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. So. <laughs> Thank you all. Have a wonderful night and may the force be with you. Mm -hmm.